With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lauren. Mike. So we host a podcast for Wired called Gadget Lab. We do. We do. (laughs) Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Tell the good people some more about it. Well, I think the good people should definitely tune in every week because they get to hear me roasting you. Hey, now. All right. No, really what Gadget Lab is, is Mike and I tackling the biggest questions in the world of technology. I like to think of it as the best of Wired's journalism, but in audio form. We cover the big news of the week in tech land, but we also offer our expert analyses and opinions on all things consumer tech, whether that's mobile apps, hardware, startups, cryptocurrency. Mike, what's been a recent highlight episode for you? We did a deep dive on the group behind the massive Okta hack. We Mm -hmm. also had a great conversation about Web3 and the metaverse. What stands out for you? Never metaverse you didn't like. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed our recent podcast about Peloton. Um, And recently, the legendary tech journalist Kara Swisher joined us to talk all about Elon Musk and the future of Twitter. So I guess we should tell people how they can listen to our pod. We release a new episode of Gadget Lab every week, and you can listen and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you pod. Today on Around the Coin, I interviewed Amrit Gajala, the CEO of Stater Labs. Stater Labs has raised at a $450 million valuation, started less than one year ago. They raised $4 million in October 2021 and $12 million in January 2022. They're focusing on liquid staking. So we talk all about what liquid staking is, why it's increasingly important, and why investors across the board have noticed and believed in the importance of it. Uh, What Stater Labs, what their approach is to introducing liquid staking into the market. We talk about the risks of centralization, the opportunities in working with institutional investors, market growth, how they've tactically grown since conception less than a year ago, uh, how they've listed on CoinList, and much more. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I do. I bring you Amrit. Amit, I'm excited to, to dive in with you. So similar to the pre-show, we're just, we're just rolling. Um, I'd love to learn a little bit about you before we, before we talk about the business. Um, you're in India. What were you doing prior to starting uh, uh, Stater Labs? Thanks a lot for having me here, uh, Mike. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, before starting in crypto, uh, pretty pretty long journey. I went to school at IIT Madras and I am Cal. Spent about 10 years working across strategy consulting firms, including AT Kearney's, ES Associates. And uh, my latest experience before uh, starting Stater was with uh, this food tech company called Swiggy. And I used to head special projects there. I did a bunch of org transformation and uh, org structuring before I uh, completely dedicated myself to crypto. And and what was the initial impetus for for a stater? Did you have a a spark, or was it just kind of you wanted to jump in? Oftentimes, I find when people put labs at the end of their business, it's kind of like, "Hey, I'm really interested in this, and I'm going to figure out as I go." Was that the case, or did you have a real specific urgent problem you wanted to solve? No, it was a very uh, uh, so it was a very calculated blue sky assessment that I did before I chose the industry crypto and then the specific problem that we are solving here uh, but obviously just like i mean it, it's it's actually true with a lot of my crypto friends that they have one person who inspired them to actually start looking at the space uh, in my case it was my current partner and co-founder siddharth uh, who always for the past couple of years always asked me to look at the space pointed to the innovation that was happening in the space. And uh, it was only, I think, towards the end of 2020 that I started taking this space seriously, read a little bit about how 
the blockchains were working what is the meaning of cryptocurrencies how are they how are they actually minted out of thin air right i started i started to understand some of these basic concepts towards the end of 2020 and i poured myself into the entire light papers and all the videos and materials on crypto before i completely built conviction about this space and like after i built conviction in crypto then it was about hey what do i what do i start in crypto there are like so many things that one can do in this space right because it's just a very young industry and uh, there are there are so many things that are happening and uh, so many applications that are getting built day in day out uh, so i had about 20 ideas uh, sid and i were brainstorming a uh and sid and i were brainstorming 20 more and uh, it took me it took us a while to uh, zero in on staking as a problem for us to solve and uh, yeah i think in in, about, in in march or april uh, 2021 is when we decided to build something in the staking space and it uh, kind of turned into the vision that stater is today Yeah. And staking, the idea behind staking being you put your crypto, you effectively make a promise on chain to put your crypto into uh the hands of another or at least on chain and, and typically you would do that for an exchange of yield, a retained of uh payback. W- what's the what's the landscape of staking today? Like who who's typically using staking? What companies are uh, what are the reasons why people would stake their coin uh those might be a few different reasons and then where do you sort of see staking going gotcha so i think the answer is very complex for some people uh staking is just a way to make make some returns on top of their assets right but for some people it's actually about uh owning a portion of the network and participating in the governance of the network that's more important for a lot of people in fact like some of the large institutions right they'll they'll have to participate in the governance of the uh, protocol so that means they'll have to stake their tokens right uh, but not i mean obviously when somebody is putting their tokens on staking that means they are inherently taking some amount of risk so there needs to be an incentive mechanism for people to actually stake their assets right uh, so to specifically double click on your question around who is staking what is the landscape let's actually look at the consumer segments that are there that are active in the space uh to me there are three three to four major consumer segments the first one is the retail crypto users uh who are familiar with their uh, decentralized applications use their wallets to interact with these applications and are fairly matured in their crypto journey then the second set of users are these large institutions that are that either already own significant amount of crypto assets or actually starting to own up these big huge sums of these crypto assets right that's the second segment then the third segment is the uh, new retail users who are really coming to crypto uh, on via these large mainstream exchanges and decentralized sorry fintech applications and a lot of wallets right they are very new to crypto they don't understand what staking is but they obviously are uh, starting to own up these blue chip crypto assets uh and how do they how do they do this they actually need a convenient and easy to use solution within these platforms that gives them access to these staking solutions right all they care about is hey here is where i put my money and i'm going to get like 8% returns but it's going to have a lock in period of 21 days but hey here is where i put my money that is going to give me 7% returns i don't need to go through any locking period that is how simple one needs to make these solutions for them and it feels like we're we're at that point with some companies like i'm picturing nexo celsius maybe blockfi or crypto.com some of the bigger crypto projects out there make it easy for you to stake or at least earn interest uh yield on yep. in your crypto in their wallets where do you see what's how does this continue on what does staking go from here yeah i think uh, there are several dimensions to staking the way the way i see is uh, just putting some numbers into perspective staking today is a 250 billion dollar market addressable market that is the amount of capital that is already staked uh, 
Now, uh, when ETH transitions to POS, this market's already about $400 billion, right? Now, imagine like as crypto grows manifold, all of this is like into the trillions of dollars of realm, right? And uh, just the rewards itself will run into potentially hundreds of billions of dollars. Now, a lot of innovative solutions can be built on top of rewards, just the staking rewards alone. The How do you... Like as as a corporate, I want to stake like hundred hundred millions of dollars of my assets, and probably use my rewards to uh, get into riskier uh, protocols like investing in new newer protocols or investing in NFTs using just my rewards. Right. So that's that's one set of innovations. The other set of innovation is liquid staking that is already happening. Then there are several other innovations that could that that could be built around the gaming ecosystem so how can these few billions of dollars go into powering games for people like prediction markets no loss lotteries all of these right and now how do you make these accessible to individuals in a very easy to use way okay so there is this demand side explosion that will happen then you need to have solutions that help discovery of such products easy for uh, retail as well as corporates so the first the first thing you mentioned there was people that receive uh incentive they receive payments uh from their state tokens they're viewing that as as what what would be the psychology or why would someone be willing to put that money into higher risk protocols is it because they view that money as like monopoly money where it's not really theirs or or some is there some because as i understand it say i stake tether if I'm making 7% on Tether, it's Tether that I'm receiving. So is there is there a, 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 a technical reason why people are willing to put their received earnings into higher risk protocols? So, uh, so the, the staking that I am actually referring to is actually proof of stake staking, which is not stable coin staking. Uh, it is like your Ethereum or a Luna or Solana staking. Your one is actually already taking high exposure to that asset, right? And then with the remaining, so he's believing in that asset, right? So he's believing in the long-term price appreciation of the asset. Now, if he wants to diversify that with his taking rewards by redirecting those rewards in another protocol, that's quite possible, right? Like what you do is you sometimes you put a fixed deposit you take those returns and then put them in stocks or uh, mutual funds right mm-hmm. so it's it's you, you you protect your principal while you use your returns to uh, kind of get into riskier assets so that's the philosophy behind this mm, okay and tell me about liquid staking what's where does the name come from why 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 is it liquid yeah uh so when you are actually staking your assets like ethereum or uh, Solana or uh, Terra or Luna or any other kind of a, a proof of stake token, your uh, token is actually locked for a few days. Uh, in case of uh, case of Luna, it's twenty one days. In case of Sol, it's about three days. Uh, Seven. And Ethereum, we know it's till the till the V two uh, ETH two goes live, uh, it's it's locked, right? So uh, when the token is locked, you you cannot use it anywhere else. So there is an innovation that has come in the industry where uh, a representative token is given to the user when he stakes his asset, which is a proof that, okay, this this token can always redeem the underlying token. Right? So in that case, users have an option to take this representative token and use it across the across the DeFi ecosystem. Uh, it's liquid because it can be liquidated at any point of time on a DEX. If you own crypto and leave it on the exchange where you bought it, like Coinbase, that is a mistake. We've heard the news lately. Exchanges closed, accounts frozen. We're learning the hard way that crypto on exchanges is not really in your control. So what can you do about it? Well, you can get a crypto wallet and control the crypto yourself. And that's why today's show is sponsored by Zen Go. These guys realize that 
storing Bitcoin and storing crypto yourself can be difficult. It's risky to keep private keys. They realized this and said there's got to be a better way. So they created a crypto wallet that is fully recoverable. So say goodbye to lost Bitcoins. And the security of this wallet is incredible. It's a hacker's worst nightmare. They use a three-factor authentication, including 3D biometrics, so no one can access your wallet except for you. And Zengo realizes that at different levels of the crypto journey, you have different needs. So they offer 27 support and have real people that are available to contact directly within the app. They have a bunch of different coins, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Tezos, and more, and they have all sorts of NFTs available as well. So now for the first time, you can keep your crypto safe with the same tools that the big guys have used for years. Download Zengo, that's Z-E-N-G-O, and use code ATC to get $20 back on your first purchase of $200 or more. That's $20 back for your first purchase of $200 or more. Use code ATC and check out Zengo. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Right, right. So effectively, you don't actually have to move the token itself. You can move what you could think of as a voucher or a credit, right? I'm exchanging. I mean, same way that the US dollar was tender that was created to represent the value of gold. Instead of me actually giving you a block of gold in exchange for, you know, barley, I'm going to use this representative tender of the dollar and that that represents gold. So you could always go back to the bank and cash in your dollars for gold. We detached from that, obviously, you know, decades ago. But that same concept applies here, where you have you have the real hard value, which is your Ethereum token or any protocol token. But then you have the representative. It's like a certificate on top of that that when you could trade much more easily. So do do you see? How do you see the growth of liquid staking affecting uh, traders or average users in crypto? Uh, I think uh, there are two sides to the coin. One is uh, obviously because these derivative tokens. Ha- can be used to take further leverage in crypto. It encourages a lot of risk-taking behavior. At the same time, it frees up capital, right? Capital can be used efficiently across multiple other use cases. So it's a double-edged sword. It has its pros and cons. Do, do you think that people are more reckless with liquid staking? Like if I have you know, uh, the equivalent of $100 that I'm trading with in crypto. But, but then if I'm using liquid staking where I stake that and I'm trading the certificate, is there some sort of um, difference in how I'm treating that? Is that what you're getting at when, when you say it's a double-edged sword? Yeah, definitely, right? Uh, but the beauty of it is, I mean, these are all free markets. Nobody is, uh, they, there's no invisible hand uh, sorry, there's no, uh, there's nobody who is actually controlling or influencing these markets. So people are free to exercise their will, exercise their judgment about the risk levels that they are comfortable taking, right? So I think over a period of time, markets will correct themselves. So there is, there, there, there are always risk takers. There are always like conservative investors. So each of them will, will probably uh, exercise their judgment in term in term in some of these strategies that they choose to utilize, right? So that's that's my belief. But obviously, not everyone is uh, assessing their risks so well, right? A, a lot of people with capital don't understand the uh, don't understand how much risk they are taking for the amount of return they are aspiring for. So some of them burn their uh, burn their fingers doing some of these. But I think over a period of time, they'll all learn. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people, I, I think there's 
there's people all across the spectrum, but there's a large number of people that I don't feel get represented appropriately that want to be calculating risks properly. They, you know, they want to be smart investors, but due to a number of different reasons, they just don't know how well a job they're doing. They think they're making a good investment. They think this is a, you know, smart, calculated decision. They've maybe they've watched somebody smart talk about a protocol and they trust that person. Maybe they even read the white paper and thought that was a good idea. Uh, or they just kind of follow what their friends are saying. But they're, they're, everyone, when they make an investment decision, they have some reason that they think this is an investment decision worth making. Um, and it really comes down to the, that process, like how, how, what is your process for validating your risk model? And I don't know. I mean, do you have thoughts on that? Do you like the idea of uh, paying attention to smart people? Say you're a a non-professional crypto investor. You know, you have a few hours a week that you want to spend on it. Is there a tack that you like, whether it's paying attention to smart people or investing in the biggest projects or some other methodology that you think can work decently well i uh, i think i i always index on doing my own research mm. uh to the extent of ignoring to invest wisely because i just don't get the time to invest but i i mean obviously i follow some smart people in terms of uh, how they're thinking but i follow the logic and reasoning than the personality himself so there are a lot of celebrities who say hey go invest here uh, I am not somebody who just falls for the larger than life personality. I, I basically get into the logic and reason of what they're trying to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. And some people uh, have a big following, and they they are relentlessly following the logic and the math and the technical aspect. And then the challenge is, how do you parse out the people who are really putting in the work technically versus the people who just have a platform and are yelling the next protocol, which, you know, it's kind of, it's up to each person to evaluate that. Um, yeah. But I do think though, it's, that a, the, the, it's a, it's just a free world, right? Like people yeah. are actually giving financial advice on Twitter and say, stating that it's not a financial advice. It's, it's it's just the way things are, and a lot of people don't have the time or the bandwidth to uh, assess some of these things very clearly. So they just end up yeah. following. Sometimes it might work, sometimes it doesn't work. So it's just they learn over time. Yeah, yeah. The financial advice is a gray line because, on some level, we need financial advice. You know, if the world, if nobody is willing to share any advice, then effectively we don't have the leadership of people who know what's going on to share that with all the people who can't spend their time on it. But, you know, people don't want to get caught legally for sharing investment advice. Where are you guys now? You started the the company not that long ago, only a couple years ago, right? And you've raised a decent amount of money over multiple rounds. Can you tell me about the fundraising round so far and where we you We started the at? company only we started the company officially only about 8 months ago. Uh in June is when we started the company. Uh Sid and I have been working Working on this, working on this probably since April 2021, just last year. Uh, uh, yeah, I think uh, once once we, I was telling about my journey into crypto. Right? Once we decided that staking is a space where we want to build solutions for, it was very obvious for me and Sid to sort of try and uh, look at how we can play the infrastructure play here in terms of simplifying people's. Uh, lives about uh, on uh, on how they go about staking so we started building out this uh, middleware smart contract infrastructure layer kind of called the staking smart contracts as a service that can be deployed across several uh, several segments of users yet will be able to perform multiple uh, functions for these users right so that's the whole idea behind building stater uh, our vision is to become like what AWS has become for uh, Web two applications. We want to we want to be that for crypto staking applications. That is how we started envisioning Stater. And while on this journey, we built originally we started building on uh, this blockchain called Terra. Not sure if you're familiar with that. Uh, the native token is Luna. Uh, one of the very interesting blockchains that uh, we have come across in our journey. Uh, it's fascinating because of the kind of 
real life applications that uh, people are building on this blockchain examples of savings protocol anchor synthetic assets protocol called mirror and a lot of other young protocols are coming up and uh, it has got several dimensions to it that's why this particular blockchain in the ecosystem was very appealing to us to start uh, build our initial staking solution on and uh, we launched our first product towards the end of november 2021 and we have about 30 more than 30000 unique users using our platform and uh, about 850 million dollars of assets that are staked with us so far all right so that's a lot of progress in under a year um what what are you doing that's that's really resonating is is it a sales strategy is it purely building product and not paying any attention to marketing i mean what what you've really struck on gold it seems like is it just purely the product market fit of building you know aws for layer 2 apps out there i think uh, it's a combination of both one we've been extremely focused on building products uh trying to understand our users and their needs that's one thing that really worked out well for us apart from obviously no business can survive without sales and marketing uh obviously our uh, our go to market strategy was pure content driven organic marketing that really worked out well for us kind of like educating the users about our value proposition and what we bring to the table is what really worked out well for us Mm. And has have you raised two rounds of funding? Is that right? Uh so this is not this is not the typical equity financing that we did. This is a sale. Token sale that we did. we raised in sta- we did the sale in stable coins. Uh yeah, we did about two rounds of uh a private sale followed by a coin coinless coin followed by a public sale on coinless recently. And what's the coin that's listed on coinless? the coin is yet not not yet listed i was saying the coin list sale oh so how did that work so you're you're so is a pre coin so the coin is not traded today but you created a coin and then used that coin to raise money yes yes it's like a sale you do for future token got it okay future so tokens. you right so the plan is to release a token but the token's not out yet and you created the token so you could sell so you could trade those tokens in exchange for stablecoin. Yes. All right, are interesting. I'm curious about this. How did you I I often ask people about this because the project that you're working on with liquid staking and you know all that it entails is a business in and of itself. Then you're also creating a coin that in your case is used for raising money bring capital into the build into the business so you can fund operations how did you make decisions when you created the token how did you decide to not have it go public right off the bat uh how many tokens to issue whether tokens are created or destroyed and how much to sell like uh, walk me through uh, your your thought process because some of these questions aren't obvious right yeah so uh the important distinction to uh, take note of here is uh the token is not a not a security or an equity uh it doesn't give any ownership in the company right that's an important distinction what it does give individuals is they buy the token if they stake the token they get access to taking part in the decision making of the company by voting on governance proposals they can do a bunch of things with the tokens like right? they can provide liquidity in the secondary markets So there is a set of utilities for the token that can be easily uh, uh made use used by people to generate further returns right that's one thing and uh, the protocol is is already a uh, cash flow positive on its own so we don't need the token proceeds to fund the protocol the protocol is already cash flow positive on its own does that mean to is the protocol stater labs or the protocol is the tokens that you're creating protocol is stater the token associated okay. with the protocol is is sd token just some so, differences why uh why do the token then is it to raise extra capital to fund growth no actually token has a uh so the entire uh, uh the difference between 
a web two economy or a web two startup and a web three startup is that you actually your token holders can be your users can be your token holders and the owners of the protocol, right? So they can actually stake the token to become the owners of the protocol by participating in the decision making. That's more important for the protocol in the long run. That's that's the first thing, and the second thing is obviously for uh, individuals to uh, for for individuals to get hold of the tokens, there needs to be some secondary markets on the crypto space or on the exchanges where people can buy and sell these tokens, right? And one one wants to hold the token to probably become a uh, become an active user and participant in the protocol. So that's the reason why you need a token. Otherwise, it's otherwise it's like an any any other company, right? I can I as a as a founder can make my own independent decision. Mm-hmm. But Web two actually flips it upside down, right? As a token holder, you you have the uh, you you have the opportunity to participate in the protocol governance. Right. Okay. So in your case, the number or in all cases, the number of total tokens that exist are very important to token holders because that represents your share of the pie, your percentage of the total tokens that are out there. Did you Are you fixing those tokens or how did you make the decision on how new tokens are created or destroyed as part of that voting mechanism? Gotcha. So the, the total number of tokens, the supply of the tokens is fixed. Hmm. It's fixed at 150 million. They ca- they cannot it. be any more tokens that can be minted. Got it. And then, so you release a private shell of the token. How do you how do you decide how much of that hundred fifty to offer up in the private sale? Uh, so it was it was a combination of one, what was required for us to uh, get to the product market fit. And obviously, the interest among the uh, interest among the private parties to participate in the sale. So it was a combination of the two. Got it. Got it. So and, would you and learn, obviously? I mean, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask you more broadly, like how the process worked or what you learned from it. So, like, are you? Can you walk me through? So, you're? Are you going to a site? Are you using a tool to create a token? Um, like, is there a, a base layer where you can mint these and then you're pushing it out to the telegram groups? I'm just making this up, but this is what I'm curious okay. about. Like, okay, you're saying 30 day countdown, we're selling 25% of the tokens that we're creating that are private sale and there's incentives. Like h- how did you, how did you structure the, the sale? Gotcha. 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 No, actually, uh, so we recently created the contracts that issue tokens so far, the token generation event hasn't happened. Uh, so the way the way typically tokens are created is there is a smart contract that creates a token called SD token, and uh, and yeah, that smart contract decides how many tokens should be minted and how should they be allocated across the buckets. Gotcha. And then and uh, this- when it comes to the token sale process. Uh, the idea initially was to bring on board really experienced value-added uh, uh, fund houses that can help us through the journey. The idea was not to just like sell it to the public and make a ton of money. That was not the intent. The intent was to like, how do we bring uh, users or potential customers of ours uh, part of our journey? How can they like? How how can we make them part of our journey so that? We can obviously help, uh, so they can obviously help us build the product and also take the product to the market. So that was the idea. I'm with you on that. Um, so would it be true to say, there was some article out there that was talking, tell me if this is not the right way to think about it or th- these numbers aren't right, but it says Stater has raised $4 million in October 2021 at a valuation of $50 million. Um, okay. Do you think of, is that Pantera, Coinbase Ventures, True Ventures? Is there a separate? Pro- is that how these firms invested into S- Stater? 
Yeah, so this is, I mean, you don't call this an investment. It's called a token purchase agreement. It's it's like a private sale. So mm. you're selling your tokens. Got it. Okay. So, so you, you, I, assuming you have a bunch of conversations with firms like Pantera, True Ventures, et cetera, you must have lined up those meetings, pitched these guys. Then you say, Hey, we're going to create a, uh, a, a we're going to create the tokens and we're going to trade them in exchange for a $50 million valuation. And you, you raise 4 million through that process. Um, and then doing the same thing again, is it a, did it really jump to a $450 million valuation in January? Is that right? Yep. That sounds, help me understand that a little bit. <laughs> like to go from 50 million to 450 in eight months, what, what am I missing? That seems like a, a tremendous growth. Uh, is there, what, what, what happened? Yeah. So we, we, we did the seed sale when we were pre-product, we, we, we were two membered people, Sid, Siddharth and I, and uh, we were just starting out in crypto. That was when the, that was when we raised the capital, uh, or, uh, that was when we did the first private sale with Pantera and Coinbase. And then in November, we actually, uh, launched the product by January, I think, uh, our uh, the total value locked or assets under management for us was about 500 600 million dollars so obviously a lot of funds were excited about the kind of growth that we have uh, seen over the past few months and uh, yeah they oh, it was heavily oversubscribed so we ended up uh, raising this uh, raising this 12.5 million dollars as a strategic sale round yeah. I mean, it sounds like on paper, one of, if not the fastest growing company I've ever seen to, I mean, to get your, you know, is that, you, um, justified in your mind? Do you view like, Hey, we've, we've triangulated on the perfect product market fit. Uh, you, the way that you're, I'm, I'm sensing it was very easy. Was it very easy? Was there any challenge in raising $50 million at a half a billion dollar valuation in less than a year? Like what went on behind the scenes? Uh, so it's, see, I think uh, the most important thing for, uh, for raising capital is one, you need to be extremely clear, clear about the problem that you're solving. Mm. Uh, there are three things that very clearly somebody who is willing to uh, willing to back you up uh, either in a sale or an investment is looking for right one it is uh, how, how, how good is the team are they resilient can they stick together through tough times uh, if the answer is yes then the next question is are they solving a real problem and how big the problem is as a result how big the market is that's the second thing they would look at and the third thing is, has the has the team delivered on their promise? If the three things check out, I think that's a great signal for anybody to back an entrepreneur up. And, and on the first thing, did you guys have these relationships previously? Like, what was it? And if you're being, if you're looking at yourself from a third party, was it the experience of past companies, or what was it that you felt like? If you're, if you're, you know, feel free to brag, but uh, what was it about your small team that was so compelling? I think it's, it's the confidence that I built up after constant re rejection. From, from investors, just reaching out to more investors. Yes, 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 of course. So you take a lot of rejection. People don't understand what you're building. People don't appreciate the magnitude of the problem that you're solving, right? Uh, so that, that gives you, that, that gave me resilience. I just, I just kept going. And obviously after the first set of, uh, uh, investors are willing to participate in the sale, then I think rest of it is, uh, rest of them will follow. Mm. How many investors did you talk to roughly? I think I would have spoken to more than 10, 10, 10 large funds. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Okay, so that sounds relatively Four low. Nine. So I I typically think of founders talking to like uh, 50, 60 people before they convert. So you talk to 10 and half of them say yes, right? Is that about like maybe a third of them say yes? No, I meant before the first yes, I think I would have spoken to about 10. Okay. Uh, 10 people for selling our tokens. And I'm curious, uh, was it a cold email? Like, how did the intros go? No, it was primarily via reference. Okay, that usually helps, yeah, yeah. Um, fascinating, yeah, I'm just curious because it's so unusual, I'm trying to learn <laughs> how you did it. What are, the, what are the takeaways? What advice would you share for other people who have a great product but maybe don't have the social circles? Um, yeah, anything else? I, th- I think somebody, I think, an, I think a reference from an ex-founder or somebody who has done it in the past really helps because people are constantly looking for, uh, uh, I mean, even even some of these funds are looking for uh, close connects, people who can vouch for the others, right? Mm. So that really helps. And apart from that, it's just, a, I, think, I think if you have the right conviction about what you're building, eventually it'll happen. It will, there will be a bit of a struggle, but eventually it'll happen. Yeah. Were there a few uh, protocols or companies early on that signed up or not signed up, but started using Stater Labs that really set the example or were early customers of yours that really helped you guys grow? I think some of the uh, some of the people who participated in our private sale really helped us grow. They they actually stake their capital with us on our protocol, uh, and they gave us uh, a lot of guidance in terms of building the products and building the solutions as well. Got it. On the customer side, though, so as I, tell me if this is wrong, but as I understand it, Stater Labs, you make a product that uh, layer two applications can use to facilitate staking on their protocol. So say I'm gonna go out today, I'm gonna make it around the coin application on top of Ethereum, and I wanna allow my users to to have access to staking for my own mechanics. I would sign up with Stater Labs and deploy the underlying technological infrastructure to make that possible. And then I would pay you somehow, which I'm curious about, for that capability. Fill me in. Actually, it's not, it's, that's not the only problem that we're solving. While we are sta- we are starting to get into the space where we are building these staking applications for layer one protocols themselves, uh, but that's not the primary problem we are solving. We are solving the problem of finding the right set of staking opportunities for these delegators, be it small retail delegators or enterprise or institutional delegators. And, and what's an example of a delegator? Uh, so somebody who holds a crypto POS crypto token, right? Like for example, if you hold some amount of Ethereum or Luna or Solana, 
right? You want to go, if you want to go stake it, you will have to go find a validator. You will have to evaluate all of these validators. And then you need to choose one, and probably monitor them for their commissions and all that, and stake with them. Mm. Now, instead of doing all of that, you can just simply come to Stader, where we have created these extremely high-performing validator baskets, and you can just choose to deposit your tokens with us. I see. So, and when I deposit it into Stater, is it are, are, is there a, is Stater an intermediary, or is the token actually being deposited into the other into the other protocol? Gotcha. Stater is a Stater is a smart contract. Stater is not okay. a not a custodial. It's a smart contract that does a bunch of automations. Right. Okay. So that makes more sense. Um, how do you guys make money? How is the business model structured? So we actually take a commission out of the staking rewards. We charge somewhere between uh, uh, between three to ten percent of the staking rewards as our commissions, and that flows into the protocol treasury. Got it. Okay, that flows into the protocol treasury, and that three to ten percent. I'm sure that's mathematically determined based on the protocol that someone's staking, maybe the risk associated with that or some incentive structure that you have. Um, yep. Are you are you choosing uh, manually the protocols that are in the buckets or is this somehow algorithmically determined which staking pools are available for people? So at the moment we are uh, we are choosing the validators based on uh, very objective extremely objective criteria like the financial parameters and uh, network quality parameters in the long run the idea is to let the token stakers is the token stakers make such decisions okay um, by making those decisions yourself initially today w- does that act as a screen where you're screening out certain places or protocols that people can uh, put their money into? Yep. Right. And the reason you would do that is why? Uh, so basically, different people have different pre- preferences when it comes to stake pools, right? Mm-hmm. So we are categorizing those validators and bucketing them into these stake pools. So in order to create these opportunities for people is why why we have created this screening mechanisms. Mm. Otherwise, you will how will people make decision if I have a bunch of non-performing validators also in the same stake pool? Right. And are there a few? I would imagine there's a long tail on this where you look at the number of trades or the number of uh, people who have staked, a number of wallets that have staked the percentage of those who have not paid back? Well, like, you tell me before I embarrass myself. What, what, are, what are the top three or top five or the most important quantitative evaluation metrics for staking pools? So uh, the, there are two categories of metrics. One is the financial metric. Uh, under the financial metrics, it is uh, the percentage of commission that they're charging, uh, the max commission that they can ever charge and the daily changes in the commission rates. The second metrics are the network quality metrics. These are specifically like the uptime uh, and different blockchains have their own spe- blockchain-specific metrics like uh, like your uh, beyond uptime, there is Oracle commits on Terra blockchain and several such metrics play, into, play a big role in, in this. Hmm. And is it, is this, if I go to Stater Labs, I'm looking at the site now, is this something that is aimed at the casual investor or institutional investor who is not crypto savvy? They're figuring, okay, they're listening to this podcast and they're like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Like you, you raise some money through some way of selling tokens through people. And now it's a half a billion dollars in less than a year. And then I put my money in here and you're aggregating together staking opportunities is this something that is targeted towards institutional investors today is it in the near future uh so currently it's primarily targeted the targeted at the retail consumers Mm -hmm. uh, a casual investor 
we are uh, so outside of this we are actually targeting the institutional users with private staking contracts these are the contracts that are currently not live on the on our stable apps dapp but these are the contracts that we are already taking to the market with some of the institutional investors institutional crypto token holders i mean is that an exciting opportunity for you do you view it as like a side project or a main focus no i think that's a that's a very exciting market opportunity for us how does it vary from retail like from a business perspective do you think about it as just a slight marketing change or a real serious operational change to target institutional investors it definitely is a serious operational change for sure what because it needs a yeah. it, it needs a, a good amount of uh, change in the product development it needs a significantly different go to market strategy and sales and marketing strategy mm. right and uh, it, it requires a different different type of uh, parameters that go go into consideration for an institution to stake their crypto assets with us what are the types of things that they're typically concerned about risk how uh, how how secure are the smart contracts how many audits have been performed has the protocol taken adequate measures to ensure that the security is uh, up to the highest of standards uh, the second thing is uh, uh, obviously how many individuals are staking how much capital is there how 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 long has the protocol been live in the market and how resilient it is and so you're the last one there you haven't been around that long uh you have gone through a Three few months is a lot. Three months, months is a long time in crypto. <laughs> well, it's certainly a lot in crypto, but not really, right? I mean, three, three, I mean, we have, it hasn't, tell me if this is wrong, but I view the crypto market as kind of like a decade old, right? Like realistically, say 2012 really started moving, like big companies started around 2014, there was a huge run up in 17 came down like we've been through a few waves now uh staking is what how how long has staking been around for 6 years about, in that range no it's much lower than that it's much, it's just about 2 to 3 years 2 to 3 years okay now i'm thinking if i'm an institutional investor and i'm managing a couple billion dollars and you're saying hey 3 months is a long time i'm saying no way because i have a 30 year horizon uh it's nice to say three months is a long time because it's true in relative terms to crypto, but it's not true in, in typical company evaluation periods. Is is there an does the auditing come in to save the day in this case where you look at the audits that are done or tell me about the auditing process? Yeah, so we have actually done about uh, six audits of our smart contracts so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah i think it, uh, auditing is a is a very long process in itself first you need to contact an auditor you need to find a slot with him and uh, yeah they go through the entire uh, security practices they stress test the contracts each audit takes about 3 to 4 weeks hmm and you went through th- three of these audits Yeah overall we went up, like we have three different products in the market we went through six audits across the three Wow wow and what's the team size looking like now like how many people are working on this now So we have about 25 to 30 people uh, 60% of it being tech uh 20% being marketing/business and the remaining 20% being HR uh, admin etc Awesome. What gets you excited, man? What do you what do you waking up in the morning feeling like enthusiastic about building or doing? Uh I think uh I I do have a lot of ideas uh that I want to actually build in the crypto space. And uh the journey is definitely exciting, right? Like obviously I can't just jump in jump from staking to some other idea very soon. But the the thought that okay in, in the next in the next 2 3 years 
okay, this is how I am going to be, uh, this is how I am going to evolve, right? Like I get this company to a good shape. Then I, in the meantime, I would have started like three, four, three, four interesting ideas that I am definitely passionate about after staking. So in, in three years, this is where I imagine myself and that keeps me going. Mm. And do you picture those and ideas the, under Stater Labs? Sorry. Under Stater Labs or as a separate company, a lot of these, anything is possible, right? Mm. And obviously the journey associated with building these protocols, working with uh, really smart, smart people and getting things, getting things done. That's that's really exciting. What other ideas come to mind when you think of exciting projects, crypto projects, or other projects? Oh, wow. lots of ideas. Uh, one of my personal favorites is to create this uh, marketplace of large, large and small auditing firms, kind of like what Amazon did to uh, small and medium sellers. I want to do to security, smart contract security auditing firms and auditing individuals kind of build a marketplace where people can bid and choose auditors. Mm, I would imagine the, the way I see it is, yeah, the way I see it is the entire market is quite disorganized. Yeah. No price discovery, extremely, uh, like supply is crunched at the top well-known audit firms. And beyond that, none of them, none of the auditors are getting good projects. There's a huge problem of discovery. There is a problem of uh, the the pricing being extremely. I mean, pricing being completely determined by the uh, by the suppliers and uh, the slots. The basically the slots being completely determined by favoritism or closeness to the protocols, etc. So quite unorganized market. Mm. Interesting, interesting. And I imagine you stumbled across this realization after finding auditing firms yourself. Yes, yeah. of course. Like going through this problem ourselves. Are auditing problems, or sorry, are auditing firms uh, country-specific or are they country-completely agnostic? Like it, being in India, can you get an Indian auditing firm or does it have to be U.S. or somewhere else? No, it's completely geography agnostic. They take payments. So what? Crypto, so obviously it has to be they take payment, yeah. agnostic. Um, well, not necessarily, right? Because there is a certain validity to the audit auditor, right? If I, you know, if if I go and audit your company and I put a stamp on it, it's not valuable, right? But you got an audit, right? I could come in there and say I did an audit. It has to be valuable. That has that the reputational. Uh, staking, so to speak, of the auditing firm has to be respected among other people in order for the credentialing of that auditing of that audit to be valuable in the eyes of consumers, investors, employees. So there's oftentimes many cases there's a licensing. So a government body in a certain country will license an auditing firm, and that provides a sense of s security or, or permission to do audits. Um, then there's a certain like cultural hierarchy of reputational assessment that goes into it as well. Like the same thing in law firms, like you'll say, oh, I have uh, Cooley or Kale and Gates or some top law firm that we just know does a good job. And so it's like, you know, you see this all the time in crypto. If you get a top law firm, it adds a sense of validity, even though that's completely subjective as to what we say is good. Same thing with investment firms like Sequoia has been around for a long time. They have a good reputation. Do you view do you view the opportunity more so to parse out who's good and who's not, and then allow more free market competition? I'm curious on this idea. I think it's a good one. I think uh, the idea can be positioned in a ton of different ways, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because there are multiple problems that needs to be solved. Uh, one is the discovery itself. Like I had, as a protocol founder, I know the names of just like four or five audit firms, but there are tons of like probably thousands of firms that are providing auditing services across the globe. Mm -hmm. Some of them good, some of them bad. I There's no way for me to understand till I go through an audit cycle, right? By spending $20,000, maybe 40, 50, $60,000 in some cases, right? Why do I have to go through that pain? Where is that uh, 
market that is going to give reference it's brilliant uh, or references what else what else are you thinking about what other ideas in crypto are begging to be solved uh lots of them uh i think uh stable coin for india and a lot of these southeast asian markets it's, it's completely non-existent and building a building a stable coins pool across the countries and letting foreign exchange transactions and the entire forex markets being built on top of that is going to be phenomenal mm. it's a trillions of dollars of markets waiting to be disrupted yeah I- i'm curious on india so india recently passed some laws that uh acknowledge the existence of crypto and introduce regulation which is usually a good thing as long as the regulation is reasonable do you have a take or a perception on the current state of uh, the government of India's integration of crypto into society? Uh, I think uh, one of the positive things that the government has done recently is to introduce regulation around crypto, which is the taxation. It's definitely a great move in the positive direction because it kind of legitimizes uh buying selling and trading in cryptocurrencies right uh so that's that's definitely a positive move uh it what it what it is doing to the ecosystem is a lot of <clears throat> a lot of founders are actually starting up in the crypto space or a web3 space earlier we used to actually be scared of the indian government mm. now now i think more and more people like i mean it it has become like saas hasn't yet become like saas but it is going to become like SaaS in the future. Become like SaaS in the sense that anyone could start it and it's very easy. And Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you probably know what uh, what Indian entrepreneurs did to SaaS, right? SaaS and e-commerce. So like tons of innovation, tons of companies solving global problems have mushroomed out of India. That is what will happen to Web3 world as well. Mm, interesting. Um. What do you do about that? Obviously, start a company in there. <laughs> do, are you investing in other people, other projects at this point? Are you? I I am in whatever time that I'm getting. I am looking to definitely invest. Hmm. More more than investing, I'm passionate about building, like seeing things take shape from from the seed to. Actually, delivering value to the users is what what excites me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's incredible. I'm still dumbfounded at how fast you guys are growing, or at least how fast you've raised money. Um, to get to a $450 million valuation in under eight months is like breathtakingly shocking. Uh, in some ways, I... I, I would love to hear you reassure me that we're not in a bubble because there have been companies in the past that have raised, you know, on the order of hundreds of millions or billions of dollars before they release a product. And there's all sorts of excitement that we see in the market. And this could be, you know, this could be gaming. It could be the internet itself, browsers, uh, online shopping. Um, it could be movie consumption with Quibi. Like there's a lot of examples out there. What what can you tell me to reassure me that we're not in one of these ultra high uh, speculative bubbles and that the valuation is is justified, or or maybe there's some of that, but yeah. For all you know, we might be in a bubble, right? Like, mm-hmm. but the but the most important thing to me is is the promise of the underlying underlying technology and the paradigm shift that is bring that this. Uh, revolution is bringing in right it might the bubble might crash the bubble might burst and all the valuations might coming might come crashing to the uh to the floor right but still the technology is is promising there are there are potential real value adding applications that can be built on top of this technology that is what excites me more than the valuations right i like that good answer Good answer. Now, ultimately, over time, if we have enough smart people working on these things, we'll experience real changes in our life, not just speculative ideas, which ultimately is why people put money in the first place. Yep. I mean, it has to go through these cycles, right? A lot of lot of money goes into the projects. A lot of fraud projects, scam projects come in, but quantity is important. Yeah. Yeah, hugely. Hugely. 
entrepreneurs fail, they'll come back. That's the most uh, important thing. Yeah. Wise words, my man. Amit, what else do you want to share? Any uh, any social media pages? Obviously, Stater Labs is going to be pretty easy to find. Are you writing or tweeting or anything else you want to throw out there? <laughs> no, unfortunately, I, I I don't have like these days. I don't have the time to write. I would love to actually start something like like basically a personal Twitter account of mine, where some of the learnings that I've uh, had through my journey. Uh, which which I think were really useful for me in hindsight, and uh, I wish I wish I had known some of these realizations a uh, few years ago. I would love to definitely start writing about some of these or tweeting about some of these very soon. Awesome! Well, I look forward to that, and thank you so much for hopping on today. I learned a lot about liquid staking, about the market of staking, about fundraising in crypto, uh, and how to make an explosive round. And it's cool to hear your thoughts on some other ideas too. Awesome. All right. Thanks, thanks Mike. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. I really had a nice discussion. Thank you for listening to Around the Coin. If you enjoyed the show today, consider giving us a quick review wherever you listen to podcasts tweet about it or text it to a friend. We really appreciate all the support and growing that we can. If you have any guests you'd like us to bring on or feedback for us, don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.